Alright, well welcome back to For Many People's Strengths. It's been a while since we recorded this, partly because I was bitterly disappointed on how it went for Canada at the Gold Cup at the end, but uh, I guess in hindsight, you know, the way that they gave that USA team all they could get in a 2-2 game that went to penalties and it was dramatic as could possibly be, I think. Probably it was it was as good a quarterfinal against the USA as we could have hoped for. Probably hoped for a better performance in the whole tournament. But Gurley joins me as usual. Gurley, I guess now that you've had some time to digest the Gold Cup as a whole, uh, how do you how did how did it go down for you? Was it a tasty dish? Was it a was it a bitter dish? Somewhere in the middle. Probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think. Um... Performance-wise, it wasn't a great performance, but at the same time, um, there hadn't been many opportunities to look at new players um, between COVID and then prepping for qualifying and then a World Cup. So this was a great chance to get some first caps to some guys. Some showed that there's there's some real promise there to be part of the 23 um, moving forward, and, and some maybe weren't quite there. Uh, given that, I mean, if, I would like to have seen probably a few more new faces. I know a lot of people would love to have seen the first team, but I just didn't necessarily see the value in that. I mean, there's a chance the first team might have won the tournament, obviously, but um, I don't think the the benefit long-term is there for, for that. I mean, it's great to win the tournament, but we need guys um, settled at their clubs and playing and fighting for starting jobs um, for the next season, for sure. So I think that has more value. And plus, the guys need to rest. They've obviously worked really hard. So, um, you know, I thought the group phase was relatively disappointing. A couple of poor performances, and I thought um, tactically some strange choices. Um, at least um, some of that was corrected. I thought, you know, over-reliance on the wings against um, Guatemala. And then, you know, there certainly was a much more focus on getting people central and getting into the box uh, against Cuba. And obviously Cuba's Cuba, but... Um, you know, it was a, it was it was a good sign, a good sort of course correction, um, and even just seeing the, you know the same team that started against Guadeloupe that started against the U.S. and just the difference in those performances, I thought was pretty striking. And you know, it's obviously not a great U.S. team, but it's not a bad U.S. team. I mean, it's it's not far off being almost an MLS All Star team. So to see guys that have barely played in MLS, like like Bombito, obviously. Um, uh, Russell Rose, a fairly new face, you know, guys like Zach McGraw and Schaffelberg, a little more established, but, you know, some of those guys had really good matches and, and everyone worked hard. And I mean, when you look at the quarterfinal performance, you have to be, uh, I think, pretty proud of the way they played. If if maybe it wasn't um, the greatest performance, the effort was certainly not lacking. It was a real, a really good job of them battling hard and, and pushing the U.S. And, the, you know, they really should have had it probably in the end. They had 10 minutes to try and protect one goal lead and weren't able to do it. Yeah, I, I, I echo pretty much everything you said. I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, what you, people, people talk a lot about the whenever there's a World Junior Hockey Championship, they talk about wanting to see Canada get better as the tournament gets on. Anytime there's, you know, a national team event, you want to see a team get better as they get on because unlike the A team, uh, most, most, uh, especially international hockey tournaments with Hockey Canada, it's guys thrown together, they practice a little, uh, and then they get into games. And so the best you can hope for is sort of a steady improvement because they're not that familiar with each other to start with. So this group, as you mentioned, is does have, you know, had quality uh, in it, just guys who hadn't played that much together. 
hadn't played that much with the national team. You had guys, you know, who were still coming off injuries. You had a lot of youth. You know, I think we, we talked before about Moise Bombido and, and him growing into a new position even. You know, Richie Larea, his situation was, you know, with TFC, he was really, really uh, forced, I think, uh, because of the way that things were going to, to play very defensively. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, John Herbin said, be your old self again, all of a sudden and, and get forward. So that's a difficult transition. And then you take into the considera- consideration that we're talking about Houston, Texas in July, like in early July, like it's a bazillion degrees. It's not like it's Qatar stadium where they had, you know, air conditioning. So it was, you know, there were a lot of factors that I think we could get kind of give this team a, a real pass at, at the very least. And as you said, be very, very proud of what we saw against the USA team that was firing on all cylinders, a very experimental USA team as well, we have to say, but, um, you know, they, they crashed out in the end too, to, to a, a Panama team that, you know, was a Panama's A team and was playing great. And, uh, and then that Panama team ran into Mexico and, and, you know, that on a, on a day, Mexico, I feel like very often, at least again, not against the USA, they seem to find a way when they need to. So, um, you know, pretty, pretty interesting tournament, but, uh, you know, in the end, uh, a performance against the USA that, uh, that, that I think we're, we can all be really proud of and, and happy about the, the spirit they showed. Uh, I'd want to go from the macro to the micro just for a second, Gurley. Like Jacob Schaffelberg, I think a lot of us wanted to see as much of him as possible in this tournament. I know I did. I know you're a fan as well. How can you not be? The way he's played for Nashville and the MLS uh, since, since pretty much the second he moved from TFC uh, has kind of earned that. I think. And then the impact he made against the USA, that goal that had everybody, I'm sure, who watched it up on their feet, screaming and yelling. I know we were where we were watching it in Toronto. Uh, I guess, how did you see Schaffelberg in that game against against the USA? I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, certainly after the tournament, people are saying things like, you know, Dane St. Clair could be the starter now and, and Schaffelberg needs more time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, for me, looking at the tournament, um, you know, Schaffberg really was kind of behind Liam Miller on the pecking order. And I don't know if that is the case now. I think, you know, they asked Miller to be more of a, a wingback, which isn't really a natural role for him, but he, he can't put it in defensive shift. Um, Schaffelberg certainly provided a great spark there, but at the same time, that, that left-sided kind of wide position is also where we tend to see uh junior Hoylet popping up potentially and then obviously that's alfonso davies the spot so um you know i shackleberg was was a great breath of fresh air his directness and his pace and ability to get around the back i mean a lot of the same qualities you see in a guy like richie larea where you know his, his his pace to get around the fullback is is evident um and then to do something and once he does that is is the is the real the real trick, but there's a lot of potential there to to, to create things. And Schaffelberg has been playing a little more centrally with Nashville, which might be something that helps him get into the full first team squad. But I mean, I think we all probably still agree that Hoylet has a role to play uh, for Canada in the senior squad. And so you start adding up the the people that that are going to be in there. It's it's a tough lineup to crack. And as good as Schaffelberg was against the States and that breath of fresh air, you know, he didn't play a ton of minutes during the tournament, really. Um, you can say the same thing about Jaden Nelson, who I thought um, 
had a real nice cameo um, against Cuba. And I mean, again, it's Cuba, but you know, that, that quickness and the ability to take people on and the quick passing and some of that stuff centrally was really lacking, you notice in other matches. Um, you get a bit of that with, with Osorio and Hoylet, but um, you know, until the U S game, I didn't think Osorio really had found his game yet after coming back from injury and Hoylet did fairly well, but was stuck on the wing quite a bit. So Nelson was a nice little addition there, but you know, considering how little he played, you sort of think, well, he's not really that close to being a first team squad player at this moment. So um, it's tricky because there's guys that did fairly well. And I think you have to be happy with how they did. But um, mm-hmm. now the, the the case is, how do you integrate them? How does Schaffelberg integrate into the first team squad? And can you get those guys minutes when we're playing, hopefully, um, good first team friendlies and then building towards that November playoff for the Copa America? How does Ali Ahmed fit in? Does Zach McGraw and Moy Bambito get called back in and what kind of role do they play, especially as some of the defenders get healthy and hopefully, you know, Alistair Johnston and Derek Cornelius are both back, which I think will help bolster that back line. So um, competition for places is great, but um, it's important to sort of see um, if they can take that next step and get the, 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 um, get the opportunity to to show with with the first team squad you know because i mean it's one thing to show it in the gold cup where you're not necessarily play with the best players how do you how do you play and how do you combine with you know some world world class talent that we're, we're we're blessed with up front particularly yeah no you're 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 at the head nail on the head i think you know specifically when it comes to like you know Liam miller uh, versus Schaffelberg or, or some of those other battles. I mean, John Herdman has proven time and time again, um, and I'm sure the players, uh, certainly Liam, the types of the Liam Miller and the Lucas Cavallini types who are willing to come, are willing to sit on the bench, are willing to have a good attitude when there are real, our real A team is there um, and and we need to have that insurance. You know, he'll reward them in these types of situations. Uh, and not that Schaffelberg and you know you know guys like Brim or or you know you, you go down the list even even a Schwanier who wasn't called in or Raheem Edwards wasn't called in not that not that they're bad or not that they haven't had the opportunity not not that you know they they've been played they've been played badly or didn't don't deserve it but just you know Herdman has shown that he's gonna be loyal and he uses mm-hmm. kind of loyalty to players as uh, as a selling point to bring guys into camps when they need bodies even and. I think he's shown that and that, that sort of put Liam Miller ahead because, you know, he, he missed time. He didn't go to the World Cup and, um, you know, you know, he missed he missed some opportunities. So Herbin said, hey, just be patient. And and he bought in. And, and I'm not you know, I don't know for a fact, you know, that that a guy like, you know, Raheem Edwards, for example, who, you know, who's had an up and down time with uh, the Galaxy. But could he have been at this team? Absolutely. He could have. But, um, you know, he. he you know, there's other guys who who have sat tight and and been good foot soldiers. So, you know, that's sort of the way that Herdman operates too. And this whole notion of building the national team as a club system type of thing is is big into Herdman's mind, and that kind of fits into that uh, fits into that way of thinking. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, but I think there's faults to that. I mean, there's always good opportunities to bring in young players and look at them. And you always want to strengthen your squad. So 
being loyal to guys is all well and good, but there's times to really look at players. You mentioned Raheem Edwards. I mean, Raheem Edwards is, is you know, one of his his perceived faults is that he's not a great defender as a as as a fullback, but he's great going forward. And a team that's looking to play with wing backs, he seems like a really good fit for a left wing back spot. Certainly, when instead you're using Schaffelberg and Liam Miller, who are you know Liam Miller played in the the, the English League One, which you you better put your work boots on if you're going to survive there. And so he learned to to be defensively responsible and track pullbacks, runs, and all those things as a sort of a wide attacking player. But you know he's not a defensive minded player. Neither's um, neither Schaffelberg. So you know having someone like um, Raheem Edwards available would have made sense to me. And at the same time, Ali Edmed is kind of a bit of a wing back type player. He's sort of a winger sometimes in a three four three. But he was playing kind of tucked in as a central midfielder because there just weren't many central midfielders. I would love to have seen a lot more Victor Latoury. I mean, he felt like the kind of box-to-box, hard-working, quick player that this team maybe needed. I was surprised he didn't get more of an opportunity, and I thought he looked absolutely fine. I mean, it was 20 minutes against Cuba, so you can't draw a lot from that, but... Um, you know, I'd love to have seen more. I would like to have seen more of Dominic Sator as the right back in the back three. Um, I think that's his best spot. And, you know, he got in there late one game to play as a right wing back, which is, you know, I mean, he's playing as a right back in Poland, but that's not really his spot for me. And then, you know, he kind of came in late and got that unlucky um, penalty decision against him. So, I mean, it was a little, a little unfortunate, but I, you know, I mean, Zator is not a young guy either. So I don't know if this was his shot, but um because uh, we we don't see training, obviously, and you have to assume that a lot of this is based on how people are doing in training or what they have planned going in. But um, just given the makeup of the team, I would have thought there'd be more rotation. And then you look at the actual match. I mean, the, the Americans' equal, uh, first goal there in the quarterfinals um, came because Dewan Jones had absolutely all day in the ball to pick out a fantastic pass. Um, but Jonathan Osorio was supposed to close him down, but Osorio had absolutely nothing left to make that closing yeah. down run. When a guy's 35, 40 yards from your goal, you don't have that same urgency. But, you know, Osorio played every minute of the tournament, which um, he's a very good player and an important player given this group that was there. But the guy coming off injury for Toronto, and as you say, playing in 100 degree heat Houston twice in a week, uh, you know, could we have not have given Victor Latour a half at some point, especially against a team like um, against Cuba instead of having. John Osorio trying to play out of the back as, as a six almost and then giving the ball away in a very unfamiliar role and giving away a penalty. Like, um, yeah. yeah, it's just some of those decisions, it, it's a little bit head-scratching for me. And I I would like to have seen more of those young players get minutes. It was great to see, you know, Bombito and Ahmed get a lot of time. McGraw got a really good run out. Russell Rowe got some nice opportunities later on. So that was great. But, I mean, um, you know, we're getting we're gonna be back at where – we're minimal friendlies because of budget reasons, probably looking yeah. at qualifying for the Copa America in November and then the Copa's coming up the next summer. And so um, pretty quickly, we're not going to have a lot of opportunities to look at some of these young faces who are hopefully emerging. And um, we we could probably use some some fresh blood. And so, uh, and, and certainly there's eight or nine starting jobs that are locked down. But um, in terms of depth pieces, there's, I think there's opportunities and it would be great if we're able to look at more and more guys. Yeah, and and you know it's been said a lot. Herdman said it. We've all said it. Like this team needs more friendlies, more opportunities to play, so that they can 
try these different things. And I think part of part of your point there too is, you know, Herdman wanted to put this team in its best position possible to win and go far at this gold cup and, and develop and grow by success. And I think, um, you know, I, we, you mentioned a couple points back about the fact that this wasn't, you know, a first, and this wasn't an A team. And that's, I think that was a lot of it was out of Herdman's hands. Uh, I think if Herdman had his choice, he'd have all those guys still there play every game possible. Um, you know, the Estacios and the Davies and the Davids and the Larens, if, if, if those guys hadn't said to Herdman, you know, we're piecing out, sorry, we're not going for the gold cup. I think Herdman would have still picked them. So I think he was kind of forced into this, but he would still, he still kind of coached like he need, you know, he wanted to win every game. And, um, and I think, you know, that's why a guy like Osorio played as much as he did because, you know, nothing was for sure. This team wasn't really fluid. It wasn't really flowing. It wasn't really sort of that electric Canadian, uh, you know, attack that we have seen against, especially against lesser opposition for a while now. Um, and so he, you know, he felt like I just need kind of all hands on deck, the best 11s every day that I can think to, to go. Because I remember a couple of gold cups ago too, he got hammered for squad rotation. Uh, you know, he rotated his squad big time, I think against Mexico, a couple of gold cups ago. Uh, and that put Canada in like a bad position and, and, you know, he got, he got hammered. So you can kind of look at it in a bunch of ways, but I think the bottom line is he, this team needs, needs, needs friendlies and, and game between, you know, in between now and, and, you know, the nation's league again and, and meaningful soccer again, just, just to get guys with more run out. But, uh, you know, we could be screaming into the wind, all those things cost money and, and stuff. So we'll, we'll, well see if it comes to that. <laughs> because we know we don't play a lot of friendlies and traditionally never have. I mean, my problem with the squad rotation at that gold cup was that we hadn't played a lot of friendlies. We hadn't played a lot of a level competition. So, you know, that group stage game against Mexico was our chance to kind of gauge where the team was um, against, you know, at the time, probably the best in CONCACAF. Obviously the Americans would argue that, but you know, a one and um, B one, right. And so then he rotates the squad, plays sort of a B team, plays Kyle Lahren as a way. Like, it was just a strange approach to a match that could have been a good chance to kind of see where we're at. Whereas here, I mean, what ha- you know, it, it's one of those cases where if suddenly someone's hurt in the summer of 2026, and it's like, oh, well, geez, it would have been nice if we'd looked at Victor Latour, if we'd looked at, you know, um, Chouanier, um in meaningful competitions, but instead we had to play, you know, a 32 year old, um, you know, junior Hoylet and, a um, 30 year old Jonathan Osorio, um, for, you know, every minute of a tournament when we're playing, you know, Guadalupe and Cuba, I, you know, if, if, if these guys can't sink or swim against Guadalupe and Cuba, then, fine they don't need to be involved but it's at least a chance to let them get their feet wet and we know we're not going to have a lot of friendlies because pretty soon it's going to be well we don't have any friendlies so we're going to be playing you know japan or whatever ends up being the next friendly in october um we better we better start the a team and make sure we're doing well because we measure ourselves against you know a level competition blah 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 and all of a sudden okay well now we're not looking at the young players anymore again and so um 
you need to have a bigger picture look here and, and be able to give some opportunities to some other players because you may end up leaning on them. I mean, you know, Ismail right. Coney suddenly ended up being a really important guy at the World Cup, and we wouldn't have guessed that, but um, there weren't many other options either because it had been the same group, basically, of 25, 26 guys for two, two three years. So, yeah. um, you know, we do have time. We don't, we don't have to worry about qualifying. We're three years out. Um, if not now, when are we going to really look mm-hmm. at some of these guys? Um, and yeah. so I think this could have been an opportunity to play a few more younger players, and, and and I know some people would love to have seen the first team, but I think um, getting a chance to to look at the younger players is a luxury that we won't often get. And right. so um, I was happy with the players who did get the opportunity, and I would like to have seen more, and I would have liked to have seen um, a little bit more of some guys getting opportunities um, in, in moments that mattered, just to see if there was value in keeping them involved or not. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, we agree. Um. Yeah, and we can and we can move on. Fair enough. Okay. I think. I think. I think. You know, it's uh, we go round and round. We we're not disagreeing. So, um, yeah. Let's talk about the women's World Cup. Canada opens. Let's talk about the women's World Cup. Pardon? Let's talk about the women's World Cup. Let's talk about starting the uh, in hours, so it's exciting. Yes, it's gonna be a World Cup that'll be difficult for some to watch. Just yes. Time, but uh, that it is what it is. I mean, it's the same, similar. I guess I think it's actually be better with the FIBA World Cup, which I'm really excited about. Uh, in late August, that Canada's put out the best Canadian men's national team I've ever seen. Uh, for I'm really excited about that. But this isn't a basketball podcast. This is a soccer <laughs> podcast. So, uh, yes, the Bev Priestman squad opens up against Nigeria. It's 10:30 Eastern. Uh, kick off uh, PM, uh, which, you know, I think is what, 8.30 back in Saskatchewan, but the other uh, game times are more reasonable in in uh, in the Eastern time zone. Um, but, you know, there you well, go. That, it, that's a pretty a, good kickoff time for anyone, 10, I think. Uh, yeah. No, that, for that sure. That 4 a.m. kickoff gets Australia is going to be pretty rough for, for, know, for and myself and other people. So, And that's the one in the group that, like, probably everybody wants to watch more than yeah. anything, too. Because that's sort of the two group teams that people think are the favorites. But, you know, I guess we'll go, we'll start with there. Canada is in Group B, if you're not aware, uh, with the host Australians. One of the hosts, Australians, I should say. It's also in New Zealand, this tournament. Uh, Ireland, whose people keep saying is an unknown, even though you can watch any kind of video you want. And the Irish FA does an awesome job of media, social media and posting and everything. So they're not, they're not that much of an unknown. I think we know that they're going to try to beat you up. Uh, and then uh, the Nigerians, who Canada hasn't seen, has seen, pardon me, not that long ago, uh, and seems like they play relatively often. So you know, it's a it's a very tough group. There are some much uh, there are some groups with what you could say are much lighter touches, if you want to call it that. But I guess that's what you get at the World Cup. Uh, just you know, overall, I guess what do you what do you kind of make Group B? Would you would you call it one of the one of the groups of one of the groups of death? I mean. Um, I, you know, I think about I, mean, I think about Sweden and uh, you know that group like you know I I don't know how the hard that'll be for Sweden like you know Germany's group I don't know like Brazil and France probably should walk through their group like I don't know how do how do you look at it? With all due respect to the teams in this group, I I, I don't think there's any group the teams are good enough to have a group of death. I think with a 32 team tournament. 
um, you know, the gap is closing. It's, you know, the level of women's soccer is, is improving immensely and a lot of other nations are really closing the gap. But that being said, I, you know, I don't think there's, um, you know, the, the co-hosts and, and a, a team that traditionally gets to the Olympics every time around and, uh, you know, went to three straight World Cup quarterfinals and has ambitions of winning um, shouldn't necessarily be overly um, worried about Nigeria and Ireland and obviously Canada's Olympic champions are the same way. I mean, which isn't to say there won't be tough matches because Nigeria is, is, a, is a tricky team. Um, but I, I'm seeing a lot of people talking about Ireland as being um, a threat and, you know, group of death. And I just sort of think, I mean, Ireland's, you know, to qualify out of UEFA takes takes a fair bit, but I just, you know, this Irish side, I don't think is anything particularly special or dangerous. I thought they were outplayed by Scotland in their playoff match. Um, they have some injuries, as most teams do. Uh, we'll see how Denise O'Sullivan is um, after getting hurt in uh, the friendly with Columbia that was ab- abandoned. But, um, yeah, they have some decent players, and they're going to be physical, and they're going to be combative. Um, Nigeria obviously has... Uh, Oshawala from uh, Barcelona, who's probably the best player actually in the group. I mean, you know, is she better than Sam Kerr? Maybe, maybe not, but she's a heck of a talent. So she's absolutely world class. Um, so Nigeria's got some 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 quality and certainly um, real great quality up front. But um, you know, they they didn't win the African Championship. Um, Ireland, you know, got. Yeah, I think Scotland hit the post two or three times in that playoff match, and Ireland went down and scored on against the run of play. So, um, it was an interesting match. I mean, it was it was, I mean, it was Ireland Scotland, so you can imagine what it was like. But uh, you know, in that match, for me, Ireland's biggest threat was um, actually the long throw they have from Megan Campbell, who plays for Liverpool, who can absolutely just like thirty yards on a rope, just mm-hmm. incredible long throws. Um, they scored twice against Germany off her long throw, and that caused Scotland all sorts of problems. But um, it's it's a bit of lower league England type of you know get it in the mixer and you know some some scrappy play and obviously some physicality there in the midfield. But Campbell's actually out of the tournament; she's not playing, so that's a big loss for them because I think her long throw is a real asset for them. Um, offensively, they're they're they have a nice defense. They've got a lot of experience in the back line, but um, I'm not sure how much they're going to have going forward. Whereas Nigeria might be a little bit the opposite. They have um, some inexperience in the full back spot and um, um, some pretty good forward options, but uh, it'll be interesting. It's, I mean, Nigeria is going to be a, a, a tricky opening match tomorrow. Mm. Um, you know, certainly if Canada can get a lead, that would be, be massive, but um, I fully expect Australia to, to beat Ireland. Um, and, the, you know, it'll be a tough match. It might be pretty close for a while, but I, I think that'll end up being relatively um, cut and dried. And then it's just a matter of Canada finding a way to beat to beat Ireland. And again, an early goal would do wonders for that uh, that cause. And obviously with Canada, that's the, the million-dollar question is, are the goals going to come? And you certainly hope so. And um, obviously certainly hope that... Uh, Fleming is healthy because that's going to be a huge, huge issue, issue if she's not. But uh, mm-hmm. she was out, out of training the other day. But uh, Beth Priestman said that uh, she should be good to go. And that might be um, a little gamesmanship or it might not be. It's tough to know. But um, yeah, I guess we can talk about Canada more. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on that group? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm higher on the, on the competition. I mean, just in terms of 
some of the other groups have even more unknown teams to them. Yeah, and I think I, mean, I think the other groups there's there's teams like Haiti and there's teams like Vietnam. The Philippines, you know, I yeah, Zambia, and I think okay, Haiti, like, I mean, the U.S. I think has Vietnam run that could be. Yeah. That could get ugly, like you know, it could be a ten goal win kind of thing. And these matches won't be that, obviously. Like these will be very competitive senior national, you know, two nil, one nil. But I can see Canada beating Ireland one nil, but out shooting them like fifteen to nothing or fifteen to you know, like it could be that kind of a match where um Canada has a lot of the ball but doesn't get the goals, right? Yeah. Um I don't see it there being any big romps in this group, but I also right. I'm just sort of people are saying, well, it's a group of death and anyone can advance. And I read a preview that said, you know, Ireland is, you know, has a real chance of getting out of the group. But I thought, really? You're, you think they're better than Nigeria? Okay. Uh, so I was kind of, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. And maybe I'm wrong. I, I, you know, there are people that see a lot more of these teams than I do, but I have seen, you know, I've seen Nigeria two or three times in the last couple of years. I saw Ireland twice. And saw the you know the playoff against Scotland, obviously, and you know we've played Australia a fair bit, and um, they're obviously in really good form right now. So, you, you know they're peaking at the right time, which is obviously what you want to do when you host the World Cup. Yeah, it'll be interesting. There's 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 sort of two teams at least in every group that are certainly the favorites in those group, and I think to to say that Canada and Australia aren't the clear favorites in the group is probably nuts like i would agree with that like you look at group e like the dutch are so good too and and you, you have the usa obviously and group f i mean you know brazil and france you don't think they'll have like a pretty simple time group g's probably belongs to sweden but um you know get on the list germany group you know with south korea but germany's probably the clear favorites but it's just it's just it's just we've watched this canada team have so much trouble scoring goals that no matter whether <laughs> they have the quality that they, that we know that they do, you know, and, and you, you put Canada's back line, for example, up just against anybody's back line in the world. And it matches up really good. I mean, you know, you, you throw in, you have a combination somehow, somewhat of, of Kadisha Buchanan and Vanessa Gilles. And it's, you know, it's the, it's, it's as good of a center back pairing as, as as a women's soccer team probably has ever had, I'm not afraid to say go that far. Even they're they're that they're that they're they're that good. And then Shalina Zadorsky, you know, her openness about mental health and her mental health and and coming back and being a force and being in a good place, you know. And then and then you you look at the stability that that the likes of Quinn offers. That that you know, uh, again, Quinn is uh, you know as good as uh, of a destroying defensive midfielder as there is right now too and and kind of go go on and on like canada can has a has a platform of quality but as you said if you don't score goals you don't make it count that's the that then 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 anything can happen right like goals are what yeah kind of put things away right well and I, I think maybe at, at against a higher opponent they, they they might miss a desiree scott um you know part of that for me is that you know the Desiree Scott of, of now is probably not the Desiree Scott of 10 years ago. I mean, age catches up to all of us and, you know, her engine still is incredible, but, um, you know, it's asking a lot of Quinn and possibly Sophie Schmidt to, to sit in front of the back line against those top teams. I think, um, against, 
uh, teams that were expecting me to have more of the ball, you'll, you'll see kind of gross when Fleming is double pivot, maybe someone more attacking in front of them, whereas I think it'll be flipped where you might have Quinn behind them um, and their ability to kind of be that deep-lying player and, and, and break the line with some passing, and that's sort of something Quinn does really well that mm-hmm. um, Canada doesn't have a lot of otherwise. But um, I think for me, there's so many questions up front. I'm uh, hoping the first two matches helps clarify some things um you know how healthy is Nichelle Prince and yeah. Deanne Rose um I I would kind of like to see them both maybe play against Ireland I think their pace can give Ireland problems whereas in the first match I think having you know whether it's Leon or Lacasse with with one of the target players and again is it Heidem is it Viennes uh it's probably Heidem I'm guessing but you know Viennes could be that poacher um, yeah. You want you just want one of those three or four players to be informed because obviously Sinclair is gonna gonna find the game and whether whether Sinclair is playing behind the front line is kind of that 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 ten and that link player if she's a little bit more farther forward uh, that's another question but um, you know I think by the time the Australia get match rolls around and certainly less in the knockout phase um, you're gonna want someone to be informed and you're gonna want to say okay you know it's, it's Prince and Leon flanking someone or it's you know just having that settled because there's so many moving pieces and people coming back from injury and people who are kind of in a run of form people who are maybe not and how they complement each other because there's a lot of different options i mean um and even still i mean even if if a chloe lacasse isn't starting i think she's a fantastic option off the bench and is, is mm. a, a real creative spark and, you know and, and getting someone like prince and and rose and even adrian leon running at people with some tired legs with, with some pace and directness could be valuable so um you know obviously the goals are going to need to come from somewhere and there's certainly a lot of players who can put the ball in the net but it's just a, i think it's a matter of, of Priestman figuring out the combination and certainly you know we're all hoping that that comes together fairly quickly and it would be great if, if they were to get off to a fast start, uh, you know, if not against Nigeria, then, you know, against Ireland and hopefully um, get some goals in both those matches. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but, you know, if they can get a goal or two in each match, that's, that's a nice way to start the tournament because I do think um, the threat of Oshala, uh, um, I totally butchered that, uh, mm-hmm. Oshoala uh, mm-hmm. from, from Nigeria, um, um, is obviously there and is a real dangerous person. But otherwise, I think, you know, it's a matter of finishing chances and creating goals against uh, two pretty pretty resolute teams, probably. Yeah, Oshuala, 83 goals in 89 games for Barcelona. Uh, yeah, if you watch her from Barcelona. For Nigeria, 30 goals and 41 caps for Nigeria. Like, geez, I mean, Barcelona is, is fantastic. I mean... You know, yeah. the best team in the world probably you know very possibly and she is phenomenal with them she is she's a lot so as great as the Canadian backline is she's not afraid of anybody um the downside for Nigeria is sometimes um we've seen this Christine Sinclair you get into a good area and then you just try and find Christine Sinclair you know Nigeria sometimes everything has to go through her they always default to her to make it happen so um if you can limit her um, and really focus on her sometimes that can disrupt them. But, um, you know, they have Canoe and uh, Onumanu from Gotham are both uh, attacking players. They'll play up front with her. Um, they have a pretty decent center pairing with uh, an English player. Um, 
with Leicester City and then uh, a veteran central defender who plays in Spain. They have a, a pretty promising young fullback who's 19 and I think might start, which is interesting. So um, that's a big ask to have a, a 19-year-old starting the first match in the World Cup. And then the other fullback is actually more of an attacking player who doesn't play a lot, but is in uh, in the States as well playing for, I think, Houston. So, um, you know, how will they hold up defensively? There might be some chances for Canada to get some joy in the wings, especially. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jade Rivera and, and Ashley Lawrence can can cause some problems getting forward from the fullback spot. Of, so, yeah. So to um, your point, like, if I'm hearing what you're saying, like, uh, and again, I'm not going to say I'm any kind of expert on the Nigerian women's national team or the men's And, and, and I am not but, either, let's right, be honest. Right. But, but, I have but what I'm hearing you say is actually, that's actually an okay, a decent matchup for Canada because unlike some other team that has some weapons but are a little bit down the pecking order, and hey, let's give Canada credit, they're the defending uh, Olympic champions, uh, you know, that, that would come into a game like this as underdogs to open a World Cup, they're going to try to come out and play and get at Canada and not just hunker and sit and try to hit on the counter and and dare Canada to find a way to create something when they take away Christine Sinclair as the creator, which she has been more for Canada than the the finisher, than the one getting in the box, because, you know, we've all kind of seen her slow down rapidly over the last number of years with all due respect to the great name of the greatest of all time, because she is the greatest of all time. And I will not, I will argue anybody who says that, but, uh, um, you know, the, the, the bottom line is she is Canada's creator. Uh, and if, uh, if somebody takes her away, people team take her away, they got to find a way and it's easier to take a person away if you got a lot of numbers behind the ball. Uh, and so if the Nigerians come out and play a little bit, that might be to Canada's benefit. Um, you know, yeah, to get I, Ashley Lawrence in behind a little bit more, Nichelle Prince in behind, Adriana Leon in behind a little bit, yeah, and get at them. It's it's a tricky balance though, because I, I absolutely think Nigeria will will look to counter, but you know they're going to play. They usually play like a four two three one. It might be a bit more of a four three three, depending. But those two wide attackers are going to be absolutely looking to get behind the fullbacks when, you know, Lawrence and I'm assuming Riviere um, are farther up the pitch, right? So um, it's that balance of of not getting too stretched because if you do get stretched, all of a sudden you have Oshawala um, in space and that's not good for anybody, absolutely. Um, yeah. But I think, so that's, you know, and we'll see what happens. And obviously Fleming's health is a big factor as well, but, um, you know, it has been a lot of, of Fleming and Grosso with, with uh, you know, usually Sinclair um, kind of uh, in the midfield or, or playing behind and then more of a double pivot. But I think um, this might be a match where if, if Quinn can play in front of the back line and then have Grosso and Fleming a little bit farther forward, I think that provides a little more balance and maybe just a, that little extra bit of defensive solidity um, to guard against the counter. Um, because I, I, you know, with with Sinclair, will find find the game and whatever role you put her in, she'll she'll make smart decisions and, and find pockets of spaces. Um, so yeah, I do think, you know, Fleming's an important uh, creative element and and playmaker and someone who can make opportunities. And you know, obviously Grosso's um, growing all the time as well, and she can 
she could unlock defense with some some good vision, some good movement. And you know, we talked already about Quinn's line breaking passes and their ability to uh, to, to yeah. play the ball quickly out of the, that kind of deeper role. And and so there's some options there. And I think that Canada's going to want to control the midfield and control the ball. But I think being cautious about um, Nigeria's uh, ability to break is is going to be important. But I, I think. You know, because they do have some inexperience um, in the fullback roles and can be a little bit scattered at times. I've seen when they've under pressure and um, the counter press, particularly, I think there's opportunities to uh, to hit them quickly as well. Um, if you can force turnovers and get the ball vertically pretty quickly, there might be some opportunities there. So I'd like to see um, some directness as well from Canada when they are able to to get make their pressure count and force some, some turnovers. Yes. Well, yes, they need to be brave. They need to be able to to score and not be afraid as much of counters and, and try to find a way to win because I think um, go, like, the, the bravery aspect in terms of going forward, getting numbers in the box has been a huge problem under, under Priestman and you know, the resoluteness of this team, I mean, that's how they won the, the gold medal at the Olympics was was the fact that they were tough and they were resolute and they were defensive and they were staunch. And they found ways to to to, to hold on and win and take advantage of their one opportunity and, and score on the penalty. It wasn't expansive, you know, capture the capture the imagination of the nation type soccer. It was it was it was and winning will do that, but mm-hmm. uh, to some degree, but you know, you you also people also remember how you play too. I think, and um, you know th- this team. You know, I don't know. I don't know whether whether uh, they'll ever be, you know, just playing high flying beautiful soccer under Bev Priestman's watch, ever because that's not I that's not the way she that, goes about it. But well, for me, I'm not sure that's on Priestman. I think um, just the roster. I think I think she knows where her bread's buttered with this group, and and you know. Because there was, you know, in the build, lead up to the Olympics, there was times I thought they, they were, they were playing with a lot more movement and and flow than we saw under Herdman. Um, I thought there was some promise there, and that didn't come to pass. But you know, you say that didn't come to pass in the Olympics, and you know, at times it certainly didn't. But when you're playing the U.S. and Sweden and stuff, you know, yeah. you know, when you're playing those teams, it's not always going to be pretty. And and the fact is, they got the job done. Um, you know, playing against Nigeria and Ireland, I would hope that. Um, there's opportunities for, for for some of that, and, and to have you know more than their share of the ball and some of those things, and we'll see if they can can unlock a team. Um, Ireland, I you know we'll see what Ireland's like, but I think Ireland in particular will be a team that, that you know you're looking at you know a bank of four and another bank of four, if not in the bank of five. So, um, you know it's going to be it's going to be a, a process to find ways through, but I think hopefully. Um, you know, with with movement and you know, there's a lot of players with some creativity and abilities to, to interchange roles and find space. And you know, that's where you know Grosso's intelligence is 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 um, really valuable. And you, obviously, Quinn um, has great vision. And then you know, it's just the the, the four players and, and being on the same page, which is going to be again kind of going back to the point about just finding that that combination. A lot of that's going to be cohesion too, because you do see times where you know, someone makes a run and someone makes the other the pass the other way or something. And so um just being kind of sharp in the final third is gonna be uh 
going to be important because um, I, I do think in the bigger picture, um, winning the group could be massive. Whoever wins this group, I think, is set up um, much, much better um, than finishing second by, by a big margin. So um, obviously you want to get another group that's that's goal one and not not a given obviously it's 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 going to take work because it's going to be you know some some close tight matches but uh, you know that's got to be certainly um, uh, um, a baseline if, if you can't do that that's that's a pretty big failure but to to win, you know to top the group you avoid England probably in, in the round of 16 and you probably then get the lesser of you know, I, you'll either get Germany, which is possible, but I'm not sure. I think Germany's in the greatest form at the moment. But if you don't get Germany, you'll get kind of the lesser of France and Brazil, which is um, still going to be very, very tough. But, you know, looking at a quarterfinal like that is not um, not as bad as looking at a quarterfinal against the team that actually won in that Brazil-France group if you're able to get by England in the first place in the round of 16. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's... It, it's it's a, a tricky path for the team that finishes second, but at the same time, I mean, not that playing the the runner up in the England group that having to play you know either Germany or you know France or Brazil is easy, but you, you by being on this side of the bracket, you avoid the U.S. and you avoid Spain, you avoid the Dutch. Like there's some really good teams um, on the other side that you won't have to face to get to the final. I mean, Sweden, Japan are on that side as well. Um, so you think about some of the teams that are maybe favored, there's going to be a bit of a bloodbath on the other side of the draw. Um, whereas, you know, Canada could be around a 16 game against, you know, Denmark or China, which, you know, again, that's not a cakewalk, much like, you know, Nigeria and Ireland aren't going to be a piece of cake or anything. But um, there's going to be some some tough round of 16 matches. And certainly a Denmark or China is is a much preferable outcome if, if they can win that group. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it should be interesting. Make sure you tune in as best you can, and uh, Gurley and I will be back to to chop it up. But uh, Gurley, uh, you know, really excited for some Women's World Cup. The whole thing, uh, you know, kicks off bright and bright and early, and I believe uh, New Zealand, Norway, at three a.m. Eastern. Uh, you can get up. Pardon? One o'clock, one o'clock Saskatchewan time. So that's not too bad for us. So we'll see if I make it all the way through that one, but I'll I'll be up for the start at the very least. So there you go. And then uh, and then the one that I will get up for, I'm gonna watch uh, Australia and Ireland uh, at six a.m. Eastern. That'll be harder, the, I'm sure, for Saskatchewan. The, the PVR people. is gonna get a workout for that one. Uh, yeah. But uh, I am taking the day off after Camp Australia, so okay. that's a four a.m. kickoff here. There's no way I'm gonna be able to work after that game, so we're just gonna take the day off. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see what happens if I can can make it to that one at all. But obviously, the first two are are somewhat reasonable, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Gurley, thank you so much for your time, and enjoy the World Cup, man. Thanks, you too, Jamie.